Hi, I'm Ellen Newhouse, and welcome to Heart and Soul. Are you ready to live a soulfully inspired life? If you are ready to dive deep, get seriously honest with yourself, and learn to trust your deep wisdom, then this is the place for you. I'll be sharing unfiltered stories from my own life and those of many other courageous, creative entrepreneurs and transformational leaders who have dug deep inside themselves to heal, honor their amazing wisdom, and dare to take inspired action. No more sitting by the sidelines wishing for a more satisfying life. It's time for you to become the person you have always dreamed of being. Have a career and a life you love. Join us each week to be spiritually uplifted and inspired into action. And oh yes, I'll be giving you homework to get you moving closer to your dreams. Welcome back to the Heart and Soul podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Newhouse, and today I have a really special treat for you. We have Caroline Allen in the house. She is a novelist and visual artist and has been a metaphysical coach and book coach for more than two decades. She works out of an art studio yurt, which you guys should see is gorgeous, in the woods in rural Oregon. She began her career as a newsroom journalist in Tokyo, across Asia, in London, and in Seattle. A sudden spiritual awakening when she was working at the Financial Times in London would propel her on a path of spiritual and creative evolution. Today, she is the author of four award-winning novels. She's a professional visual artist, and she helps writers all over the world tell their stories. She's currently at work, both writing and illustrating a middle-grade book called Blue. All of her novels deal with mysticism and ecology, with spirit and the earth. And I have the privilege of also calling her my writing coach. Good morning, Miss Carrie. How are you? I'm good, Alan. Thank you for doing this. I'm happy oh, to be here. No, thank you. I mean, it is such an honor and a privilege to have you here with me. And I'm going to get all teary-eyed. I promised myself I wasn't going to do that. But it really is. You, you know, you mean so much to me. So there's so much I want to talk to you about today, but we promised we were going to keep it in a certain place because I want to talk to you about creativity, like how to use it, why it's important, and how you came to it. I mean, so let's start with why creativity is so important, especially now. So it was hitting me as you were introducing me, Ellen, to talk about, because I'm sure you're finding this, I'm finding a lot of clients right now who want to leave, leave the normal world <laughs> and find a more kind of spiritual approach to life. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking as you were introducing me, that path of going from journalist. So as right. journalists using the left linear brain and being on top of things, hard hitting, making lists, 
finishing the lists and feeling like I'm a success, Mm. but there was no soul in it. So I worked in newsrooms and Mm. I covered things like homelessness and abuse and really hard, what they call hard news. Mm. And the spiritual opening I had was, didn't know it at the time. It took a few years. I think it's what a lot of people are having now. I think you and I just had ours two to three decades before. (laughs) A little early. (laughs) A lot of people are having it now. And I think that happened for a reason because Mm. we then could become the coach for the the people. Yeah, 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 for the people because we've already gone through the whitewater rafting episode of (laughs) of going from that left linear life to the right creative brain. So if I would say then how you get there, why it's important is I think a lot of people are being called to it right now. Mm -hmm. I think it's Mm -hmm. important because we've lived the left linear way and we've disconnected from the earth and from spirit and we're destroying everything around us. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we get rid of the left linear side or the practical side. I think we just, the weight, we need to have the scales weighted more towards the creative spiritual side Mm -hmm. to bring everything back in balance. Oh, interesting. So I have a question for you though, for people who are listening. Was your spiritual awakening really easy? Like, what? I mean, what You're just happened? being funny. <laughs> so, so basically, th- this is sort of in my novels, but it's fictionalized in my novels. So this is what really happened. Um, so I would suggest reading Water, especially the most recent one mm-hmm. for the consequences of a spiritual awakening. That's one of my novels. But I was at the Financial Times. And I was meeting a friend in the lobby. Have I told you this story before? You know, I don't know. But if you did, it's been a while. But Okay. Okay. So I'm at the Financial Times. I'm in the lobby. I'm meeting a friend who's just come back from the Himalayas, hmm. where she worked in the British equivalent of the Peace Corps, and she was helping handicapped kids. So she would go into the mountains, and the kids with cerebral palsy would be locked in a back room while oh, the family right. went to... Hmm work the fields. She would crawl into windows to start seeing where these kids were helping them. And she'd already done it all of her life. She was one of those people, Celia Goodyear, one of those people I really had deep admiration for. Hmm. She didn't want to meet me in the Financial Times lobby because it was so antithetical Hmm. to where she was at in her nonprofit place. So I'm standing in the Financial Times lobby and all around me are these TVs hanging. Everything's steel and glass and there are TVs hanging and it's all of the Nikkei Dow indexes in all of these graphic colored lines. She walks in wearing a handmade Nepalese Mm -hmm. jacket. She walks up to me and she was like your size this tiny four foot nine thing. Mm -hmm. And she walked up to me and the jacket was just glowing. And, you know, I was a serious journalist Mm -hmm. and this tiny stitch on it, I focused on it as she walked up, was glowing. And I had this immense energy as if a lightning strike hit, hit the top of my head. Oh my goodness. And I could see and hear all everybody's thoughts. I saw spirits everywhere. It was sudden. The interesting thing, and I didn't realize this till I was writing about it later, is two years before I'd hiked the Himalayas with my 
then husband. And I had sat on a rock and said, I'm ready. Oh my goodness. And I hadn't even made that connection that she had just come from the Himalayas and that, you know, the Himalayas being full of profound spiritual, you know, don't tell the Himalayas you're ready. (laughs) Don't do it (laughs) unless, unless you're serious. Anyway, I don't even know if it was two years, but anyway, a few years later, it might've even been five or six years at any rate. Then I walked home after work and even the trees were talking to me. I I could read everybody's mind. Yeah. Mm. Right. I had Mm. sort of split basically split open. I did not know what was happening. And for the people listening to this who've had this, I I did have a few darker energies attach at that time. And that was really hard. And I did not know what was happening. I went back to the Financial Times the next day, working full time and getting paid amazing amounts of money. I'm working every two weeks, we had five days off. And that didn't include the weekends we had off. And then we would go to Paris and we would go to Amsterdam as a group of people. It was the best job I'd ever had in my life. And I go this next day and I ha- I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? Oh my goodness. Why am I here? There's yeah. no sense in me being here. And I was mm-hmm. like a zombie and I just walk around and they had to renew within a few months or a month, they had to renew my uh, visa and they they said, we're not going to renew your visa. And I was like, I wouldn't have renewed my visa. <laughs> I would have said, we're not renewing this chick's visa. I wouldn't renew it either. So, uh, but that was also good because the truth was, I would don't think I would have quit because the money was so good and the lifestyle was so good, even if I was a zombie. So that mm-hmm. propelled me to repatriate to the States. I had a coach and she said, you've got to go back to the States You've got to go back to your, your roots yeah. because that's part of the healing. And then I spent the next three years understanding what was happening. And yeah. this was all the beginning of me giving up that normal lifestyle, whether it was corporate or mm-hmm. journalism or sales or whatever it was and owning the artist lifestyle. So all the rules I had learned. Wow. Could not be applied. <laughs> oh my gosh. So at that point during those three years, were you writing or not? Oh, I started writing at that time. Yes. But most of it was me going around Seattle finding I had never, ever in my life, I grew up Catholic and then I traveled the world and I worked as a journalist. I'd never in my life ever explored anything metaphysical. Oh, ever. No. Ever. Mm-hmm. Like, I have friends who had tarot decks when they were kids. I was like, whoa, (laughs) whoa, your parents allowed that or whatever. Um, And so it was me going to, I met the person who became my mentor, Judith Laxer at that time. And she was reading tarot for me. I went on a walkabout where I tried different things like shamanism and Reiki and, Mm -hmm. but I was really not in a good place. I will say it was a very grief stricken. I wanted my old life back. Yeah. I wanted it back. Mm -hmm. And the universe, I was really being called this new direction. And we're called a lot of times, not even because of us, but because the escalation of what's happening to the planet. I really believe sometimes we're being called more by what's happening with the planet than even what our purpose is sometimes. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Weirdly. I've been thinking about that a lot. So 
But don't you think it has something to do with your purpose of why you're being called? It does. But what I find really interesting is I have three purposes. And the way I'm being called in an ideal situation, I might not do that purpose. And I'll give you an example. So I think in an ideal situation, I would just do my visual art and my writing. But I'm being called to coach more. Yeah. Yeah. And coach metaphysically than I would in normal in a world that was escalating out of control. control. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 So, okay. In this world now, as opposed to when you had the spiritual breakdown and breakthrough, why do you think, and I feel it, I mean, but I'm curious why you think creativity is so essential for people to utilize and also apply themselves? And what do you say to the people? Because I hear so many people say, oh, Ellen, I'm not creative. And then I, you know, I, of course, see that they are. And then, you know, a few years later, they show up in an amazing creative way. So I know I've asked you like three questions, but. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, the first thing I wanted to say was for me, if I got down to the core of what I believe, the God forces, I hate the word God because it's so loaded, what the spiritual core force is, spirit, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. pure creativity. So if you think, if you want to go to the traditional God thing and the creation, Mm -hmm. if you want to go to the Big Bang, if you Mm -hmm. want the scientific Big Bang, if you want to go to just the pagan of plants growing, you know, it's all pure creativity. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that's the quote unquote God force, goddess force. I hate the word God. ah. And so if we're not living in that, so it's our true core nature. And if we're not living in it, then we're not healed. Mm -hmm. And so for some people who may not think that they're creative, if they utilize the creative tools, do you feel like it will bring them back to their true core nature? Is that what you were saying? Okay. Yeah. And the next part of this talk, Ellen and I talked about it a little bit beforehand, is that we will talk about how to do it, how to tap in. Yeah. And so I'm saying that because people are like, I don't like, as coaches, you and I, we don't just say general statements, right? right? The general statements are like, yeah, yeah. We want to get into the nuts and bolts of it. So I think it's also misunderstanding of creativity that Mm. when we use the word, when people say I'm not creative, they think, are you a writer or are you an artist or are you an actress? Yeah. And it's a misunderstanding of that to start with. It's simply that if I like to use the sides of the brain um, example, it's simply that we're trained from a very young age to use the left linear Mm. and, you know, daydreaming isn't necessarily allowed or good or mm-hmm. our, being an artist is lower than, less than. Mm-hmm. And what we're, we're saying is one side of your brain isn't as developed as the other. That's all. So if you think I'm not creative, well, it's simply because that muscle hasn't been utilized and built. So a lot of times when they say they're not creative, I think, well, it's like if somebody said, are you athletic to me? And I'm like, well, I used to be, I just haven't done it in a while. So it can be very practical. It can just simply be saying to them, okay, if you feel like you're not creative, can I give exercises for you to help build the muscle? Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's very simple. Like exercising. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like exactly like exercising. Like, can you, can I run a marathon? I'm not a marathon runner. Well, could I work out and Mm. run a marathon? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is the next part I wanted to talk about, about then it becomes just a very practical thing of commitment. So what does commitment mean? Because I know, you know, we toss around these words and, you know, everyone assumes that we all know what that means. So what does true commitment to you look like? Okay. So first there has to be the motivation. And so if somebody comes and says, I'm not creative, what's going to motivate them Mm. to do it, to commit to it? And it truly comes back to the word happiness. So people are coming to us to, because they're not happy mm-hmm. and the idea of then committing to a creative outlet is a way for you to be happy <laughs> <laughs> and I know I'm Ellen you're so much happier oh I know so much I'm happier I, I, you I now yeah I'm I mean I now since working with you know that if I'm not doing some form of creativity I'm not a happy camper yeah. and I want to say something about that though because So many people in, you know, of my patients will say within six months of working with me, it's not working. I'm more miserable or this is so hard. And I want to say something about that because for people who are listening, what Carrie is really speaking to is a journey. And in that journey, yes, it is the journey towards more happiness. I have experienced it with Carrie. And yet, and yet you are going to meet very hard parts of yourself along the journey. So I would like to use an example I'm going through right now. I want to look good in a swimming suit. I'm 57 years old. I want to look good in a swimming suit. So I'm already vegan. I'm already organic. So I took the carbs, not all of them. I don't know how people do that. I took half the carbs out of my diet. And right now, So my goal is look good in a swimsuit. This is the same as my goal is happiness. The road to that goal right now, I'm like, (laughs) like, like even before the session, I had to eat a little something because I was like, I'm sitting there sometimes almost traumatized, just staring at things because I, my body's coming off the carbs. So I'm just, I know, right. It's so hard. The journey is hard, yes. but you're ha- you have a goal. Yes. And then once I get past this hard part, if I can this time, this round, I won't have the same feelings of it being so hard. Right. Right. I'll get yeah. used to my, you know, I'll get used to the new levels and it'll be a little bit easier. And then maybe I'll plateau and I'll have to go through another hard part. My point being, it's the mm-hmm. same thing of getting into the bikini of creativity. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> Well, my God, that's so cheesy. (laughs) But getting into my bikini of my creativity with you on my first book was not easy. It led to incredibly uh, so much more happiness. I mean, it's just so much more dimensional happiness. It is. And I will and I will say even to those people listening who might. So what I find is I write and I feel happy but if I don't do visual art Mm. I I'm less happy so even when you get into it you have to 
it's like a diet. You have to still manage what really makes me happy. And I don't even mean like, I'm so happy. I just mean on a deep, okay, now I'm fine again. Yes. Like a deep, good feeling. And I think that more people who follow this path get to that deep, good feeling. You know, we're needed while so much panic and so much pain and so much grief because I know that creative spiritual path for me and I know it's true for you Ellen because we had so many conversations is that even your best friend can die Mm. and you don't lose joy yes and I know yes yeah and in fact it you can have moments of greater joy Mm -hmm. around the death of a really good friend I mean, that happened to me six months ago, so it's on my mind. But I'm saying this because I work with a lot of people who are really panicking and freaking out. Yeah. And on one level, of course, it's freaky. I'm not trying to negate the emotions. But on another level, there is a higher vibrational place you can get if you own and work your creative path that means that you manage it and handle it with love and grace and joy even to even just have this time on the planet. And you know, when somebody dies and I'm saying the death thing simply because Mm -hmm. so many people are going through this, there are ways to handle it where you, of course you have the grief, no doubt, Mm -hmm. but behind it, you've so tapped into your creative spirit into spirit that you're like, it's, this is a celebration of these people. Yes. And I have witnessed you over the last six months, you know, dealing with your friend's death and I do see the joy. I see the grief, but I really do see the joy. And what I really love witnessing in you, Carrie, oh my gosh, is the work you're doing with your upcoming novel, Blue. I mean, this the illustrations, Carrie, are so gorgeous. I mean, they touch such a deep place in me that... I cannot wait to read this book. I'm like, what does that character say? I mean, so I want to hear anything that you want to tell me about. And I know you probably want to tell, won't tell everything, but I mean, these characters, they feel so alive to me. And it's so interesting. I saw an interview about a singer who lives in, there's some place I don't know where he was from, like Australia or someplace. He had a beautiful accent and they are like carnival people. Do you know these people? No. Oh, no. well, I have to find it where they're from because your characters, I believe, come from that place. I mean, I was like listening to this guy speak and I was like, oh, my God, these characters are from this, this carnival people. And they like live in caravans and they're very interesting. You're not talking about like gypsies. You're talking they about. Are, a, they uh, are uh, like gypsies. Yeah, they are like gypsies, but they kept referring to like living in carnival. And I was like, what is this? Oh, okay. Yeah. So tell me, tell me when you send it okay. to me. Yeah, because I'm finding these connections are happening right now, mm. like crazy, exciting connections like that. So I'll, I know okay. how tapped in you are. So I'm like, please send. Okay. Um, yes. So with uh, Blue, this is real life. In real life, I went down to a tree in the forest. I'm on 80 acres and I rent. Um, I have a house and I have a yurt. It's very humble, but the 80 acres are not humble. 
stunning, gorgeous. And I'd only lived in cities. I left rural Missouri and only lived in big cities, Boston, mm-hmm. Seattle, London, Tokyo. <laughs> you get the idea. And I yes, wanted to be yes. next to the earth mm-hmm. and I wanted to be able to afford it. And rural Oregon is affordable. Used to be, it's changing. Anyway, I, every day I would, not every day, uh, several days a week, I would go down to this one big tree in the forest. And this is like, they're, they weren't old growth. They were many stories high, really thick. I couldn't get my arms around the tree, but I think they were like 80 years old. I think mm-hmm. I found that out since then. But anyway, I would put my hands against the tree. I would breathe out my oxygen for the tree mm-hmm. and I would breathe in the carbon dioxide from the tree. Wow. And that was my meditation uh, several times a week. Mm-hmm. Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. And I fell in love with the tree. Oh. I fell in love with the tree like it was like my best friend. Mm. The landlord tells me we're going to start logging the property. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. So I won't say more, but let's just say I went through the biggest grieving process of my life after mm. having lived in cities and coming back to the earth and spending, mm. I, I mean, I think it was probably four years with this tree. Five years, not just a few months of breathing in and out with it. From that grieving process, which was, I lost it. Mm -hmm. I started screaming. I was hysterical. It wasn't, it weren't pretty. And I don't own the land, but who the hell gets to own land? So anyway, then I came up with this idea of what if I had a little girl character named Maisie Grace. And it was Maisie Grace because... My mom used to sing Amazing Grace to me when I was Oh her. my goodness, that's and I was Amazing little. Grace. Came yeah. From. So Maisie Grace. And I just had this little 11-year-old girl and she was breathing with the tree and it goes from there. It's a coming of age book with three different point of view girls. And they're all, they're 13, 12 and 11. And they all have problems And they all have major healings that happen with the help of this tree named Blue. And the idea behind it, and this is what I want to say to anyone who, that part of the creativity is work wherever you're at into your creativity. Work wherever you're at into it. So Mm -hmm. where I'm at is grieving the trees. Right. And the breathing thing. So I work it into an art project because there's where my passion is. That's my Mm -hmm. passion. So it's going to make it so much easier to write and it's going to make it more popular, et cetera. And then um, what I thought was, what if as a little girl, because I grew up where, you know, you used the land, you butchered animals. I know I immediately went to your childhood knowing, you know, having read your stories. And I was like, oh my gosh, Carrie, I mean, I can't even imagine what that must have been like. Yeah, yeah. But what I thought, what if I did this 11-year-old girl and she had a good mom, good in the way that she cultivated the this alternative little girl who loved trees hmm. versus even neglecting or just letting her do it because she doesn't understand it. No, right. what if she nurtured it? So in the book, I'm basically the mom. Yeah. In the book, there's a Sarah woman who's an artist, and I'm basically her. Okay. It's kind of based on me. And then Maisie Grace is my daughter. And so oh, it's really my it's really my inner little girl that I'm raising up with this novel. So that's the biggest thing I would say to anyone 
who listen to this podcast is take wherever you're at and fold it. It's like dough. It's like folding the ingredients into dough. You're going to fold it back into itself. Mm -hmm. And from that, it makes it so much easier. We're taught to separate ourselves with the left linear training we've had. Mm -hmm. And this new way is full immersion of everything you believe in and everything you love into your creative project. Okay. So let's say somebody, it has gone through this very difficult 2020. And let's say, I want to give you a few different scenarios. Let's say one person has lost a family member that they love dearly. And another person is just absolutely panicked over where the world is going based on this experience. And then the third person is panicked over the vaccines or the, yeah, I think the vaccines, because I see a lot of this. And let's say none of them have a coach like Carrie and none of them know anything about their creativity. What would you have them do? That okay. would help them. This is excellent because you have to back way up. Yeah. And it's just like, I wouldn't say, Carrie, you've never run a marathon, run a marathon. Exactly. I wouldn't say that that's mean to me. It's not fair to me. And it's making right. me wrong for not being able to run a marathon. So I'd back way up, whether you're panicked, whether you're in grief, whatever the area, it's not about the subject matter. It's not about, it's not about the vaccine. It's not about where the world is going. And it's not about the death of the family member. It's about you and honoring yourself. And that means if you want to get out of that zone mm-hmm. of reaction to everything mm. and be generally in a more proactive, creative place, you're going to have to start by setting time and setting space and showing up for a commitment to this creative self. And what I always, as you know, Ellen, it's the same with the book coaching. I always say you have to set the time and and days to do it. So if I don't have a lot of time, could I set 10 minutes or 15 minutes a day? Would that be enough? Uh, I would say no, it's not. I would say if you really want this. Okay, if you really, I know a couple people are totally in panic right now. Their whole morning, noon and night is panic. Right. And I talk to them and I really get what you're saying with the panic. Like you would not believe how much I get Mm -hmm. it. And I've been talking to both of them about, you know, you have to, like, if you have to get up an hour earlier, get up an hour earlier. You have to take the commitment more than just a few minutes a day here and there. Or you're not going to So the commitment is really using, the highest commitment is to themselves, yes? It's to finding a practice and a discipline where they can find themselves and their center back again. Okay. So you have to commit the time. Mm -hmm. And I say space too, because I have found in my path that having, not just doing it from the sofa while the TV's on. Mm-hmm. You know, finding right. a sacred space. And so this is what I would suggest. Okay. You don't even know what creativity you're going to do. You don't even know what the creativity is, but you're going to take three hour sessions a week. Okay. You're going to find a space and you're going to start with reading, bringing spiritual books into that space, 
bringing something that's part of your edification into that space. So I generally start with spiritual books or poetry or something or anything that touches the right brain, which is like music, but you're making a commitment. You're setting an intent. I'm going to use these times to re-explore my creativity. Okay. But you've got to make it. I personally believe, especially with everything that's going on, that you've got to say, I'm making a commitment. It's like me wanting to get into the bikini. <laughs> We're mean, back to that damn bikini, huh? <laughs> it's just because it's exactly where my head is at because I'm so hungry. I'm so damn hungry. <laughs> I am. So, um, I know. But I had to make a... So I, I've also been doing yoga and a fitness coach taught me an exercise program. And I just got my bike set up for where you can put it on a stand and use Mm -hmm. it as a stationary bike for cardio. My point being, I had to make a commitment to that and I have to set the time and I have to do it regularly. I can't, I have people come to me and say, and I'll say, they'll say they're not doing well. And I said, well, when, when's the last time you did all this creative work? They said, oh, I did that last year. Like passing off, I did it last year, you know? And I'll, I'll say, that's like saying I watered that plant last year. Why is it dying? And I'm like, come on, you've got to do it consistently. You've got to do it a few hours a week at least. You've got to set the time. You've got to make it sacred and make it a pattern. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the first thing oh, I would say okay. if, if you want to do creativity. So, if, But again, the person has to have the motivation for it. So usually I would say, Ellen, the motivation for really getting into the creativity is deep calling towards it. I think it's really hard when the person's just feeling horrible and they have no calling towards it to make them, to get, to suggest anything that they're really going to want to do. So the biggest thing I would say to people who are really going through it right now is Mm -hmm. just be, you know, it may be a little bit, you may be a little bit away from getting ready to do the creativity. Just be where you're at now and be very gentle. Hmm. with yourself and just light candles and just be so gentle and call and have sessions with metaphysical coaches if you can afford it mm-hmm. to get a some burst of energy but some people just I'm talking to them and it can't be expected of some if you're in a certain place where you're too panicky right. it just simply can't be expected until you can find a, a way to find peace and calm almost before you enter the you commitment know, to creativity. I love what you just said. It really got me thinking is that we ask so much from our creativity, but we don't seem to honor it. You know, it's it's like oh, its own no. entity. And perhaps if we really bring a sense of honor to our creativity, almost thanking it, like, thank you for showing up. Thank you for being with me. And even though it's a part of us. It's also, I mean, I think you and I agree with this is that for me, I feel it is also spirit coming through us. Absolutely. Yes. And so yes. I think it's a sense of not only a commitment to ourselves, but a commitment to creativity as herself, you know, as mm-hmm. an entity of saying, thank you so much for being with me. And this is the left, right brain thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I'm going to go into a training. I'm going to start training people, Ellen, and we'll talk about that at the end. Ooh. Because it's really about 
what we're taught with the left brain, it's even happening in the coaching industry now that Ellen and I have had conversations about this. Mm. It's just do, 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 do this, set this up, do this quick, quick, get the numbers, get the people, make the money. And the creativity is the opposite. I don't act, I receive. Mm. It's learning to humble it up, mm-hmm. not think about making a dime off of it. Mm-hmm. Let go of all of that and just say, spirit, I receive. And the way I see it is like you were saying, the spiritual energy comes through you. And then each person is so unique. It mixes with the personality and comes out of the hands. Mm-hmm. So unique. That's what I think is the greatest sacred act on the planet in my opinion, is the mixing with yours would come out completely you. Yes. It's so quirky. And mine will come out completely me. And I think of a rainforest and all these different flowers and plants. Those are, to me, the way I think of creativity and people that were one big, diverse rainforest of wild ass plants. (laughs) (laughs) I really do. When I really think about it, I think, oh my God, I glory in that creativity that's out there, whether people see see it or not, even. Yeah. So is that what you were talking about when you you mentioned build up a creative force around you and your project? Okay. So the other thing I would say then, so there are some people listening who are probably past the panic stage who are Mm -hmm. are doing their creativity, but COVID interfered with their creative process or their motivation or movement forward. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I was I wanted to say that I have found and I coach on is find first find the time and the space, then pick a project. Now, mm-hmm. what's interesting is it kind of doesn't matter what the project is cuz spirit's going to move you to wherever you're at in that project. Whether it's I'm going to write poetry or I'm going to write short stories or I'm going to write self-help or memoir, spirit's going to move through you and hit the places it needs to hit right now. Or if if you're going to do art, pick a series, for example. Hmm. So don't just think I'm going to do, uh, you can do that. I mean, of course you should goof off with the paints and goof off with the writing because <laughs> that's part of creativity. But right. if you if you want to harness it like a bunch of horses hmm. and, rain, and get that wild horse energy going in a direction, mm-hmm. pick a project. And so for, for me picking Maisie Grace to write, sorry, the book's called Blue, uh, but I've called it Maisie Grace for so long. So I picked the book, but then what I do is then build a force around that project. And this is very specific how I do it. Okay. I very specifically, whatever the project is, I find related exciting famous books that are like it and I read them so I spent two years reading middle grade mystical literature and loved it so you find the project then you start with feeding yourself so here's another thing people don't understand about creativity well I don't feel it anything coming for me because of COVID and the lockdown. Mm -hmm. Of course you don't. You shouldn't feel anything coming from you. Mm -hmm. I mean, not you shouldn't, but if you don't, of course you don't. Get some help. Great people have come before you to douse you with their their creative force. Oh, I love this idea. And that's what I do with everything. I just don't talk about it enough. I never, never, yeah, I I mean, I have known you for many years and I I have never heard this. 
I know. And, and what's really fun is when you said this talk about, it, I was like, oh my God, thank you. Because yeah. And so I start by building the force around me, not by just sitting and meditating, although I do that too. I go look for the people who've done it before me. And That's I so douse myself in their beauty. Mm-hmm. So with visual art, then if you're doing it portraits, let's say, okay, I'll just do portraits, then douse yourself with all the famous portraiture that's mm-hmm. ever happened and look at it and get into it. And go, I like that nose or that hair. Oh my God, those colors. And then let it sink in. Then you just let it sink in mm-hmm. and it'll do its work for you. If you do that kind of exciting work, it'll do it for you. Now that's this stage so one. Interesting. I Carrie, this is so interesting. Well, it's funny, Ellen, because I do <laughs> tell people a lot when I book coach them, you need to be reading other da da da. Most people resist it because they're so busy. Right. But right. to me, in my own process, it has been the difference between. Wow. Uh, I'm feeling like I'm hearing this for the first time and I'm like blown away. Okay. So what's, awesome. what's awesome. your next step? So the next thing is, let's say, so I'm just used to use an example and people please extrapolate this to what you're working on is then, okay, so I'm going to do the characters in the novel. And I just mean write them to start. And so I use the closet doors in my home office to do command central. And I print out photo after photo of what I think the character looks like. Mm. And I paste it under their names. There's Blue, Maisie Grace, Jack, and Macon. And I just paste the photos I get off the internet, print them out, put them up. And then I stand in front of it and I say, talk to me. I start with one character. What do you want to do? Who are you? And then there are character analysis sheets that go with writing fiction. And I fill those out and I paste those up. So I have the character analysis sheet I've done in my head. I have the visuals and I'm asking them what they want. If they're an Indian character, I eat Indian food. Wow. You go all in. Oh, yeah. I listen to Indian music. If it's a, so it's, I have a character in a wheelchair who's a goth. So I have a friend in a wheelchair. So I spend more time talking to him. So to me, because as a journalist, you would have very short time to write very short stories. What I was looking forward to transitioning out of that was all the time in the world (laughs) to to marinate, (laughs) to just dive into it, like hanging out with friends and, you know, Anyway, to me, it's so edifying to have all this time. Okay, so that's stage three, and it goes on from there. Wow. Oh, so the this next, is so amazing. The next thing I then, I dream it. And so, mm-hmm. but I sometimes dream it where I haven't done all this pre-work, but the pre-work leads to the dreams. And if I dream it, can I curse? Sure, go ahead. If I dream it, <laughs> bitch, get out of my way. And I don't mean that to you. I have to be careful. I don't mean that to you. I'm like, bitches, get out of my way. If I, because if I dream it, that's what you're seeing in the paintings. Wow. I could, I could well, never. Well, then you must be dreaming a lot because I, I was dreaming. tell you, those characters, when I see them, they are so alive for me. And they already, without even knowing who they are and what they are all about, they've already touched myself. It's amazing. That's so cool. I mean, it's and, really amazing. And when you say that, Ellen, that's why I'm trying to explain to people, this is the force I build okay. up. I feed the fire. 
and I keep feeding it until it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So I have not been able to dream or paint blue. I've done Mm. two attempts Mm. and it's just not it. And so a librarian here hooked me up with a book last week that just blew my brains out of my head because it was as if Macy Grace had written this book. And it was by a scientist about old growth forests. I did not know. And so I'm doing research on old growth forests so I can write the book better because I'm really using old growth. Although my personal experience wasn't true old growth. I'm really using old growth and I really want to understand like the mushrooms and the ferns and the cedars and the firs and why do they grow a certain way so I can fully immerse it in the novel. Well, and then I can fully paint blue. But what happened was in this book, it said that the oldest old growth in the nation is three hours from me. Oh my goodness. Have you gone to it? I contacted them yesterday and my friend and I are going Tuesday. (gasps) Oh, this is going to be amazing. And that's what I mean by immersion. So already you can see how how exciting your life becomes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I will also say you cannot wait until society, the mainstream, approves you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that goes into an, a whole other podcast call. I mean, we could talk about that for days. Yeah. But I have to tell you, Ellen, really quickly, a yes. lot of people that I work with, that's their biggest thing. They're kind of waiting for the mainstream to tell them. Somehow they're sort of waiting for the mainstream. It's like some women waiting for a man. Wow. Uh, and they won't do anything with their life until the man goes. It's the same kind of energy oh. until until society kind of gives me that permission or that project. And I will tell you that is just a Whoa. loser's game. It, it will be a loser's game. So yeah. right here, right now, Carrie, we are going to make a pact and we are going to say to, we already said it to ourselves, but we are going to say to everyone that's listening, people, please, please, please know that you have permission to be exactly who you are in this very moment. Please do not wait for anybody else to give you permission to be who you are, to write what create. you want to write, to create yeah. Yeah. what you want to create. That's And so permission. if you're listening to this and you're stuck and yes. COVID has exacerbated being stuck, yeah. that is why most of us get stuck. It's because we're trying to be what we think we're supposed to be. And it's just being in all the dirty, ugly, noisy, gritty, beautiful, Mm. sweaty, poopy. And truly, (laughs) that's the truth. Yeah, Yeah. it is. The the one thing for me that I had had a hard time fully owning was I would show a lot of people that I was a book coach, but I would hide the metaphysical from them. I have a lot of European clients. I was scared Mm. that they I wouldn't have them if I owned the metaphysical in December that is what shifted for me. And I'm like, this is who I am. Work with me if you want to. And I'm not even going to care. And I have in the transition. And I'm saying this because this is part of the creative path in the transition. You will lose things. Absolutely. Yeah. But you will also 
gain a whole Oh my God, you gain so much more, but you have to be patient. Be patient. Right, Right. and mostly you gain yourself, which is amazing. All right, I want to know about one thing before we finish up. You said you were going to teach something. What are you teaching? Oh, so what I'm getting ready to do, I'm trying to um, build up my energy. For some reason, I'm in the, um, I don't want to give anybody anything. And, and I'm laughing only because says the book coach, and I know, physical coach. I know. And I'm saying this only because Ellen knows like for decades, like oh my you, gosh. Yeah. we've been giving a lot for yes. decades and, and often over giving yes. and over giving and for decades. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm only saying this if anybody's listening is because I'm just like, if I can give, give it so much for so yes. long. But basically what I'm being called to do is to help people who are already coaches learn how to use channeling in their coaching. Oh, how perfect. Oh, that's going to be wonderful. Mentor people. And I'm thinking too of people who are new to channeling as well, even if they're not coaches and maybe having two groups. And I'm going to keep it small. Unlike the big, go big. (laughs) My big thing is it's going to be small and intimate. It's four to six people and they're going to, partner up with each other Mm. and change partners and learn to read for each other and using the tarot as a tool although it you know ultimately the people don't have to work with tarot but teaching people who are already coaches how to use channeling because right now what we need creatively Mm -hmm. is for everyone to start to get that there's all this other energy that we have access to oh this is going to be so good that will really help them to expand their coaching in new ways. That would be awesome. So for all of you who are listening today, Carrie Allen, Caroline Allen is a metaphysical teacher. She is a tarot reader. She is a book coach. She is a novelist and she is a visual artist. So if anybody wants to get a hold of you, how can they find you? My name.com, carolineallen.com. That's just the easiest. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, Carrie, thank you so much for being with me today and for being with everyone listening. And I thank you. And for all of you listening, I will see you next week. Bye now. Thank you, Ellen. Thanks so much for joining me on the Heart and Soul podcast. It's such a joy for me to be with you. I know firsthand how much easier it is to rise when you have community to laugh with, shed a few tears with, and be inspired by. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, go subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas, or you might want to be a guest on my show, please contact me directly at ellennewhouse.com. And while you're there, grab the special resources I have created for you to begin to take inspired action in your own life. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.